I think that emotionally, we have not grown at the same pace. That can supersede something as important as our health. Love as movement of life. Concept of time and space is completely unknown. So one thing I was curious about, how does the Italian culture view yoga, if you could describe it? There has been um, a very quick transformation in the way Italians look at yoga. When I uh, when I opened, when I founded the Yap Integral Yoga Center in Teramo, Central Italy, it was two thousand four, and I started with four people. Um, and I started receiving calls of this type. Uh, but do I need to be Buddhist to practice yoga? Or things like, but can I ask you, is that a sect? So there was a lot of prejudice around it. Uh, it was not so much spread. Uh, it inspired some curiosity for sure, but I guess there was something too esoteric that made it uh, not too much close to approach. Uh, to approach. So it was like, you know was it mean? seen as a religious something that was religious ah, right off the bat for some reason? Either something religious, either some or something too much esoteric or linked to the hippie culture of the late sixties. Uh, um, so something something connected to the idea of people walking along the streets uh, without shoes or uh, singing all the time, things like that. So it took for me. It took to me a long time and much attention uh, in order to try to build um, an idea of yoga that could convey its real essence, which is actually freedom from any cultural condition. <laughs> and do you know how did I do? And I remember talking to Swami Shukananda a lot about that. Uh, I did it by... Um, by jumping on the fashion trend idea mm. that was coming up at, at the time. I mean, there was most of the population that thought, thought that yoga was something really odd, but then there was a wave coming in uh, stating that yoga was really a trendy uh, discipline. So I chose to use that to use that to eliminate, to cancel the prejudice. And then from that part, uh, take away all the aesthetical ideas of a yoga made by funny postures, athletics, and things like that, and go to the real content, which is yoga. This was 2000, um, 1990s, 2000. 
And it was like this in my city, which is central Italy, not a big city. Uh, so something we call the Italian province. Milan was something different. The wave of yoga had already come in. Uh, and so a lot of centers were, 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 were rising up. Uh, now things have changed a lot. Um, yoga is seen in two ways. On the one hand is uh, an athletic fitness discipline. But on the other hand is something uh, that is always felt uh, as needed and needed and needed for the stressful life we are uh, mm -hmm. leading. And what's nice, you may know I'm really interested in yoga therapy. Uh, I work in the for the accessibility of yoga. And more and more I have doctors sending me people uh, to, to assist them with yoga. So a lot has been has changed. And I have to say that as I, I matured, as I have matured, matured, can I say so? Mm -hmm. uh, grown as a yoga teacher in my awareness. And so uh, step by step, the people coming to our center have evolved as well. So it's a combined evolution. Uh, I would say that right today, uh, the yoga world in Italy is not so so much different than uh, what is in the United States. Maybe we have less power, fitness, uh, um, identification, a little bit less identification, but I think we're sister countries. You know, what I find so interesting is like, kind of the, the forces that determine our decisions, right? Like, am I a person that does yoga? Right. And like, what, what, what drives that? So what's constantly amazing me is, is kind of the question, is this cool? Right. Like this, this question can be underestimated, I think in a lot of ways, but I think this is one of the, maybe the, the most powerful force, like, does this go with the way that I want other people to see me. Like if I start practicing yoga, is that, you know, am I worried if people will categorize me as a hippie or too athletic or whatever, whatever it is, but it, it's so odd in a way, because if you look at just what, what is the purpose of yoga, I would say is to be healthy, right? It's just, it's the most practical thing ever. But somehow still this, this, this wanting to be seen in a certain way and very much caring about that, that can supersede something as important as our health, right? How? Oh, yeah. You're completely right. And I thought about it a lot when I, I was at the point of deciding how do I offer, how do I transfer the idea of yoga and integral yoga to the people who come to me with prejudices, what do I do? And there you're right. Am I that yogi who wants to be identified and judged in a certain way? Or am I really authentic and uh, 
like using a way for the benefit of, uh, of, of, of the whole development of things that have to happen. Well, in reality, you know, uh, I believe, really believe, and it happened to my mind that everything I chose, on the one hand, uh, originated from something very deep and, and coming from far, far, far away. And on the other hand, the practical expression of it has come just by chance. I happen to be with the wonderful integrity of the family just because, because I was working in Milan. And the closest yoga center was what will have become an integral yoga center. And for sure, I, I was the one and I'm the one who refuses uh, um, fanatism. Can I say this word in English? Fanatism. I mean, A fanaticism. Fanaticism. Yeah. Thank you. Fanaticism. So uh, I would have gone away from two strict and rigid schools. Uh, I could only be in one Sachidananda club. And that all came by chance. Now, did I feel well because it's my way? Is there a part where I identify and hear judgments or not? I, I, I don't really know. I feel okay right now. It was tough at the beginning, but today I mean, I feel completely in line with uh, this path. Completely in line with this path. Mm -hmm. Like you mentioned something that I, I giggle about myself, I would say. And it's like, the little things that happen in our lives that seem so small, but end up having the most dramatic effect on our lives. And it's almost like, I think like the ego on a larger scale wants to pretend like we have so much control over our lives and what's, what's going to happen. But if we zoom out and look and we're objective about what actually is happening in our lives, we see that, you know, because something was nearby or someone mentioned something one time, or I decided to make the small decision to go here on this day, like our whole lives are changed and that's happening all the time. Right. So it's like, if this is the reality, what is the lesson <laughs> to take away from it? Absolutely. Absolutely. If I think of my life, the most important decisions in my life, uh, have come by chance. I mean, before undertaking my path as an integral yoga teacher, um, I worked in fashion for so many years. So a completely different world. I worked in fashion and uh, it happened by chance. It happened because I met a university fellow of mine uh, along a stair was going to dinner to one of my friends and she was going to dinner to another friend living on the same flat and we met there and she said to me, ah, I didn't know how to 
to trace you, uh, there's an open job here in, in this fashion company. And it was an American fashion company. And I said, oh, no, no, I don't care about that. Oh, yeah, please come, please come, please come. And I, and I went and I stayed there, stayed there in that world for 25 years. So five minutes later would not have happened. Unbelievable. Same as Yola, same as Integrate. And I would like to mention a story about the idea of creating this Yafi Integrate Center, the small center in Central Italy. I was lucky enough to be part of the first. group of, uh, of trainees uh, to be trained in Italy as integrated as teachers, thanks to Paola, Paola Tifaini. Uh, it was 2003, and by chance, I was among that group, by chance, because I, I happened to talk to a yoga teacher who told me about this training coming, and I do I want to go? Yes, do I, I want to go, but maybe I'm not ready. Then I went there, I was in the group. And uh, I was living in Milan at that time and still working in fashion. Uh, but I had already decided that fashion was not my path, in spite of the 25 years spent in that world. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of really attracted by the yoga pass and I it was it was one of the last days of the trainings and I had already mind that this thought that came up into my mind I would love to open a center I would love to open a center a center but you know I was I was not yet being certified as a yoga teacher so I had a lot of thoughts coming into my mind so I asked for um, a meeting and a chat with Swami Shukananda. And so I shared with him, Swamiji, I, this idea of opening a center continues coming up in my mind. And I know I'm not ready. And if I, be, and if I think I can be ready, I, you know, I think, uh, I, I mean, there's a lot of responsibility. Am I ready? Am I, am I, am I, can it be responsible for a yoga center? And he looked at me and said to me, responsible? This may seem like something arrogant, demanding. He didn't say arrogant, of course. He said, too much demanding for you. You're not res- responsible for anything. It's just happening. And I have to say that I do not remember, I don't have no, I don't have any memory of the whole process of me quitting the job, moving from Milan to Teramo in Abruzzo and opening the center. I don't remember, it just happened. So, I don't know. It's meant to be. Is it meant to be? If it happens. (laughs) 
Yeah, if it happens, it's meant to be. Ah, it's a beautiful story too. Like I love those moments when it feels maybe a little heavy, like I'm responsible. And then it's there, there's a shift, right? And it's, oh, I'm just, I'm just helping. You know, I, I don't need to see it like that. That was a story of the mind, right? Like these stories of the mind, like they're so powerful, I think, because when we're stuck in them, it doesn't seem like there could be possibly another way. Yes. It's like, this is it. If I, if I take on opening the center, I am responsible for that. Right. And that's the only option. There's no other option, but then all of a sudden you see a different way of looking at it. Um, so it's like, that's how I feel about, you know, going back to this question about, you know, life and just the small things like meeting the person on the stairwell, you happen to be crossing at the same time. And like, we all know this, right. And movies are made about it, but I don't know if, if like we really engage the truth of this though, like we're still pretending like we have more like, that's not the reality of the situation, because if it's so, if it's so much like in the flow like that, <laughs> where it's just one thing to the next, like, then what is there really to worry about, you know, and get all, get all worked up about, then I'm just moving with my life in, in, in a natural way, which I would say is, is yoga. I mean, that it feels like yoga to me to, to be able to see that and, and to do that. Uh, but not always so easy, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a huge, that's a huge topic that uh, makes me think of fear. Because on the one side, we have this yoga, which is this connection when we are connected, all goes, all happens. Everything happens. And then we have fear. And maybe it is out of the fear that we need to believe that we can act and do things and get results in order to build, protect, things like that. I've been thinking, I mean, there have been two images and ideas coming up in my mind recently. One is that the mankind has evolved a lot uh, for thousands of millenniums, uh, changing shapes, changing the size of the brain, changing the abilities probably of our organs or and uh, so there's ha there has been an incredible evolution in the physical side, mechanical side, mental. Mental meaning rationality, logics, like the prefrontal cortex that is, is the last stage of the evolution of our brain now. But... I always wonder, have we had the same evolution in our emotional lives? Mm -hmm. I think that emotionally, we have not grown at the same pace. 
I think that emotionally we still uh, much linked to the original fear, fear of death, fear of danger, fear, 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 fear. And uh, no matter how much we have evolved mentally, rationally, brainly, I would say, emotions seem to still be the original ones. If you think, I think so too. And, and like, I I love this. And what it brings to mind to me is the relationship that we have with words themselves. It's like, that is another way of, of kind of separating it out. It's already like words, there's like a logic, there's a rationality behind using them. Right. And if you think about it to your point, like there was a time before words, before someone said, okay, this sound is going to mean this thing. Right. And we use that and it's a great tool to communicate. But my impression is, is that we've, we've in a way become addicted to it the words and we overuse the words, the words are everything. We don't even imagine what it's like to live without the words all the time. And, and what you're saying too, is like, you know, in today's age, there's so much stimulation. It's words, 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 words all the time. And because there are so many words, right. I think there isn't as much opportunity to connect with your emotions and your feelings. Like, those tend to happen in the place beyond words, right? And this is why meditation, I think, is so powerful. Like the point of it is to create more, more, more of a balance. You know? Yeah, this is so interesting. And it's opening my mind, actually, because sometimes I realize that when I'm thinking, I'm thinking using words. So, what is a thought? without words. Can we have a thought without words? I don't think so. I don't know. And if we cannot have thoughts without words, and if you can have word, thoughts without words, they become emotions. Mm. Could it work? They are emotions. It's something I feel. Emotions I don't need to verbalize. To, to recognize them. The thought, while I'm thinking, I process the thinking probably through words. I don't know, we should ask a neuroscientist. <laughs> yeah, and I think with the, with, the, with the thoughts and the words, you know, those are related to judgments. Like judgment is being made really with all, with all of that. And so moving beyond that, where there's no thoughts at all, then there's no judgment. I'm just having this human experience, right? Something that I've been playing with a lot is, is to feel without needing to label the feeling. Like I am just feeling and I'm just a regular human being. And whatever I'm feeling right now is acceptable because I'm a regular human being. So I don't need to like label it as good or bad or anything else. It's just existing with the feeling. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Well, and may I tell you about the second, uh, uh, the second thought or awareness? I don't know that's coming. Uh, that I, I've been inspired, inspiring by 
uh, it has maybe nothing to do with what we with what we are discussing right now, but maybe yes, I don't know. Sure. Is that actually we live in a world which is structured by time and space, but time and space do not exist. Uh, at the origin. I mean, time and space are functions for our mind to understand the world we live in. Uh, time and space exists in this universe and probably in the way, I don't know if it, it does it does exist exist in this universe. It does exist in the way we look at this universe. But we know there are black holes in the universe uh, where the, uh, the concept of time and space is completely annulled, uh, eliminated. So this if this is true, and time and space are functions of our mind exactly how we see the yellow, the red, we can articulate certain words. We see something, but we don't see the infrared rays, for example, the X-rays. Uh, we don't hear ultrasounds and things like that. Well, if time and space do not exist, then everything has already happened. No, if time and space do not exist and are a function of our minds, then what to worry about for? <laughs> well, what to worry about is right. And I think this is really what can come from actually reflecting on the things that, that, you're, that you're speaking to, right? And like, I think in a way, like even like spirituality and uh, philosophy can get like a bad reputation. Why? Like, you know, like don't go too deep or something like that. But I, I'm of the belief that going to these places and thinking about the things like, you know, beyond time and space, like what you're saying and what exists there actually can have a very profound effect on our lives and increase the quality of our lives. Because once you understand something like that, like, oh my gosh, like, like what? I mean, the conclusion that I come to is that this is a gift. Yes. <laughs> this yes. experience, which shifts everything. And then once it's a gift, it's then the flow can happen. Uh, but it, it feels like this constant shifting between like, like you were talking about the fear, right? It's like the fear and then the gratitude comes in. The gratitude can really come in and dispel the fear. But then before I know it, there'll be something that brings up the fear again too, you know? Yeah. You know, when you invited me to this uh, podcast, I wrote to you, you know, I'm, I seem not to be shy, but, but I am shy. And what am I talking about? Uh, but this idea of no time and no space and everything has already happened just uh, made me so calm about this chat because we have already done it. 
Right. Right. And what's, what's, what's the big deal? And to get, you know, so concerned about what other people think about us. To me, this is like what one of the major fears that I'm just noticing like all the time within myself, right? Like really caring so much about the impression that someone has about me. I don't want that anymore. Like if I'm serious about being becoming free, then I want to work towards moving beyond that. And this is, this is how I, I, I can do it. And also what gives me, I, I'm curious if this gives you any encouragement on that path too, is that I want my brothers and sisters to also be free of this, right? Like I want other people to be free of like stressing about how they're seen. And what's the best way that I can do that? Like I've tried using words a lot, you know, sharing my perspective and my opinion, and maybe that has a little bit of an effect, but I think ultimately the best thing that we could do for other people is to be the example. Like there's nothing else that's going to be as effective. Like it, it might not work. You know, you could see someone else and maybe you feel jealous of them or you just, you ignore them or whatever it is. But to me, that's still the most powerful force is to see an example and the example, it needs to be genuine. You know, like there's no faking it at all. So that has given me motivation to keep doing my work and to like genuinely get clean of this and like, like, okay, just be just relax, you know? <laughs> it, it, it is true. It is true. Uh, hmm, so difficult though. Uh, for example, um, when, you invite, when you invited, I was a little bit anxious uh, because I was thinking, first, I'm not an English mother tongue. Will I be able to convey what I really want to convey. And I do know that, especially in the USA today, there's an incredible, and especially, in, for example, in the accessible yoga world today, there's an incredible attention to the word we're using to, to, to guarantee inclusivity, respect, equity. And you know, sometimes by English not being my mother tongue, that you like, oh, that word came out of my mind I shouldn't have. And so that was a first element of anxiousness. And then the second one was that what do I have to share that can be useful to someone? Mm -hmm. Like, am I stealing time to people by my chatting? Do I really have something to say that people should feel they're spending that time in a good way while listening to this podcast? Again, responsibility. Again, that teaching from Swami Sananda. Yeah. Um, so I'm still entrapped in this idea that what I do should be useful to people. Uh, and on the other hand, I can see how, you know, I, I realized that we had to connect just a few minutes before connecting. I'm very calm. Everything's flowing. And... Um, if someone doesn't like the podcast, maybe I'm sorry, Abby, but maybe they change path and maybe listen to something else. And I feel so, so well now. But 
Uh, it, it is difficult to find the balance between the go with the flow and be useful. Yeah, but I guess my question is, is can we have faith that by going with the flow, that's going to be useful? Right. This is the next step. You're right. Yeah, we should. That's the key. By going with the flow, this chat will be useful to someone. And you know, not bring like, harm. Was and that? Not harm. I was repeating okay. the beautiful right. words by Swami Sachidananda, who's useful to someone not being of any harm to anybody, including right. myself. Right. And, and I would say that, like, just by remembering our own true nature, you know, and relaxing, right? Like that's just going to happen. I have faith in that as a byproduct. My, maybe not in every single situation, but I can't be concerned with every single situation because that's more getting caught in my mind and like trying to dissect, you know, like what was the effect? In a way, I would say even like that's a human being trying to play God. You know, because oh, yes. we don't know like the outcomes of like this or that, like, you know, to not really have genuine humility, I think is is just really getting caught in illusion, right? Like I'm really getting a lot of benefit by constantly remembering, like I only see a very small portion of the whole thing and, and that's okay. But our minds are so capable. The human mind, I have a lot of awe for the human mind. It's capable of imagining and doing so much work that we think that we can know everything and see everything. And I think we forget our humility. Um, and I want to go back to what you said about kind of, um, you know, you know, what do I have to offer someone else through, you know, having this conversation or, or, or whatnot. And I'm curious about this too, because to me, it, it kind of feels like it's a, a little bit of like a limiting belief, I would say. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Like, you know, and I wonder about that because I see that a lot. I, I definitely have it myself and I'm trying to do work on it, but like, I think it's very, very common. Like, you know, who am I to offer some wisdom to someone else or whatever it is, but like, where does that come from? Because, you know, the child doesn't think about this. They just, they just are, they just, they're not getting caught in that, that whole thing. But, but some point it's developed, like, I think maybe this comparison between me and other humans and we look at other humans and we see them or like, Oh my gosh, like I can never be Swami Shogunanda, <laughs> you know, or Gurudev, like whatever. I so then I don't step forward into my power, into my potential, you know, because I'm playing that comparison game. But I don't do I really need to play that that comparison game? And and I'm also curious of again, like going back to that question about being like cool or like socially acceptable. I don't know what it's like in Italy, but at least in the States it's very acceptable to like put yourself down, you know, like, Oh, that's me being stupid again, or uh -huh. um, oh, I'm an idiot or like lots of different ways. This is manifest. And it's very sociable, socially acceptable to be speaking about ourselves in this kind of a way. Um, and, but my question is like, what is the effect then of that? You know, then we're not recognized, recognizing our own value, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, if I see you as a beautiful soul, 
Uh, and if I can see me as a soul, as a beautiful soul, all we are saying falls down, no? Mm-hmm. So if I connect to your soul without without thinking about thinking we are recording this thing, uh, then all these thoughts don't need to be. But they are there. I mean, I mean, I'm continuing, I hope to continuously uh, grow a little bit step by step. And I'm still working on that. It is true in Italy as well that we have this way of pretending humility, of talking in, in humble ways. No, I'm not good at that. Maybe, you know, it's an, it, maybe it is an excuse uh, if we're not perfect in something. We have an excuse. We have already said that. For sure, as far as I'm concerned, it may come from the education. Uh, the family uh, way I was I was grown. Uh, I was personally brought up uh, um, towards uh, um, reaching perfectionism. Um, so it. My, my, my young age, my school age has always been, even later, has always been uh, a walk toward improving and improving and improving and improving and be excellent <laughs> according to, uh, excellent according to the grades that society would define for, for every action, every path. So that's, that's one thing for sure. Mm, I'm still working on it. I'm still trying to be less perfect, perfectionist and trust that it, it is okay anyway. Uh, but if I come from that kind of education, family education, if I happen to be like that, so there's even probably something more ancient Mm. Uh, there's a karmic factor probably so there's a lot to work (laughs) yeah lives and lives and lives and as far as i'm concerned yeah there's a lot that gives me a lot of motivation too and and i keep getting the sense that this is the case that you know where we're at is a point in evolution that has been kind of passed down to us from so many generations, as you're saying, right? And in a way now I try to see it as like an honor to evolve more. Like right now, this is my time, I guess, if we're playing in the field of time, this is my time. How much further can I advance until I hand it off? Almost like it's a relay race and someone handed me the baton and now I'm running with it. And then at some point I'm going to hand the baton off and I want to get as far as possible before, uh, before I hand, hand off the baton. But it's really helpful, especially like on the level of thoughts, actually, when different thoughts come into the mind to not feel like ownership of it, that these aren't my thoughts. 
right? I don't know if you ever work with that at all, but it's just, these are just thoughts that are passing through me. And I don't know, it's probably a small percentage of the time when I'm able to see it like that. But even when I, when I can, it's, it's really, really helpful. Absolutely. It's really helpful. And I, yeah. And well, we need to trust in order to be able to do all that. We need to trust that the flow, that the connection is possible there. That there's a, there's an infinite deserve of bliss that is available in different expressions. And it's up to us to draw upon it. But when we remind that, this is easy. But then when we forget, when we come back down mm. to our small, small roots that we try to plant uh, to keep ourselves standing up, it becomes definitely more. Mm. But absolutely, I mean, uh, to me as well, there's a huge motivation to go up, to go on and every day clean a little bit more. Clean, 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 clean. This word is, I love this word actually. It's like getting clean, like seeing that as, as, as like the focus. Can I make myself clean? You know, Gurudev says useful instrument, clean and useful. Like it's a beautiful word to, to think about, you know, how can I, how can I get clean? with all this noise, disturbances, things that we have inherited in some way. Mm. Yeah. Okay, and one final question. Yeah. Uh, if you were able to whisper into the ear of every single person alive, what would you say? Love you. Because you think that that would have uh, an effect, like just by hearing that, like, I'm loved. Now what? Now I have permission to be free? Is that the effect that that would have? I believe the first effect would be to feel protected and maybe these odd time we're living in and in Europe we have a word just corner I believe people need to feel protected And if, when they feel protected and they feel free, yes, if the protection is not a material protection, is not a mm, daily-based <laughs> protection, 
but a sense of protection coming from the feeling of trusting that all is okay, that we're taken care of. Uh, because freedom can come, yes, when we feel supported. Mm. Or shall I turn my affirmation? Can the feeling of being protected bring to freedom or to attachment to that feeling of protection? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But yeah. Yeah. Being loved. Being loved in a very high way. It's not, for me, it's not really I love you so I help you, it's so I stand close to you. It's not, when I say love, I say much more. I I'm talking about the uh, love we experience in meditation. Uh, that state uh, of being uh, that moves life. Like, I mean, the sun rises up every day out of the motor of love. Right? I mean, love as movement of life. Love as, as movement of life, yes. I don't know how to say it better. To say it better. Uh, so, I would whisper, love you, love you, love you, love you. Meaning, I'm connected to you with the same time. Mm. We can trust. And not feel alone, right? That's also what I'm hearing you say. Yeah. Yeah. You remember, I'm not. We're we're not alone. We're connected we're to alone. each other, right? And and that brings the freedom. Mm. Mm. <sighs> Uma, thank you so much. Oh it's no, thank honor. you so much. I mean, <sighs> Jai Sri. Jai Guru Maharaj. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this content and think others might as well, please feel free to share and subscribe.